You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 328, brought to you by C2E2 and iFanboy members like you. Fanboy.com Pick the Week podcast. This is episode 328. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hi, Josh. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hello. And Ron Richards. Hi, Connor. Hi, Ron. Hi, Josh. Hi, Ron. Hi. 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 Hey, guys. It's been too hey. long. I missed you guys. Oh, man. I, I miss you guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> iFanboy.com is our website where we talk about comics as we like them and we read them, not necessarily in that order. Every week we read a bunch of comics and then one of us has the job of picking the one they're going to call the pick of the week. That's the one that's the best to them. It's a personal decision is what it is. Uh, they'll write about that and then um, we'll come here and we'll talk about it on the show and we'll talk about some other books from the week and maybe another topic or two. We, we'll, we try to cover a lot of things but in a strictly regimented format. Before we get going – there's going to be spoil. I've been reading a lot of books to my son. <laughs> There's going to be spoilers. There's going to be spoilers. A spoiler is it what we tell you what happens in a book if you haven't read it. So if you haven't read it, make sure to read it before you listen, unless it doesn't bother you, and then you can just have fun. Ron. You give a spoiler warning before every book you read? <laughs> yeah, you should Spoilers. Do I- I'm going to be reading the book. There are spoilers in the story for the story yeah. itself. I feel like I that's find the point that we're at now. That's like, the point I'm, we're at I- now with spoilers. Yeah. I, I, if before I finish a book, I'm a little angry at the book for telling me what happens in the book as I read the book. I, I know the gall, right? <laughs> right, right. Ugh. Like this, what you know? But the thing was, is I'm watching the Game of Thrones show. Total spoiler for the book. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, really? Yeah. I go back and read the book afterwards. It's like I know all of this stuff. Some of this stuff hasn't even happened in the book. It's going to happen in later books. Son of a bitch. I know. Why would they do, would they do that? Well, I, they're hacks. That's the problem. They're hacks. <laughs> It's what the H in HBO stands for. Yeah. <laughs> Hex bitch offs. <laughs> FFFF number 16. Yes, the pick of the week this week was FF number 16, written by myself. Well, no, I wrote the review. The comic book was written by, by <laughs> wow. John, Jonathan Hickman. This, this is biased. <laughs> and it's got art by Nick Dragota and Steve Epting. And. Um, it's interesting because I'll, I'll admit this week was this week was a matter of inches between several titles that um, I could have gone with uh, for pick of the week. But you know, as always, I go with my heart and I go with my you know kind of my emotions. And and the book that I found myself smiling the most during and really enjoying the most was FF number sixteen. And I thought it was interesting because I kind of realized and I wrote about this a little bit in my review that you can read on ifanboy.com um, that I really like the wrap up issues. Oh yeah. I like the you got this big thing that happened and then everything you need an issue to decompress and breathe and going all the way back to my old X-Men Claremont days my favorite issues were like like the I loved Extinction Agenda but I loved the issue after it when they're all back at the mansion and they're just like god what the fuck just happened right <laughs> <laughs> cuz they didn't know yeah exactly Rick's no one knew yeah. um and that was that, that was actually the issue when um oh, I won't get into it but that, that we've talked about it before the Gene Psylocke in the women's locker room panel uh, with the right. steamy shower anyway so <laughs> Um, How old were you when you read that? <laughs> I was like 13, 14. Old enough. Oh. Old enough. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> That's three. So, um, so FF16 is the, is the kind of the decompress, the, the exhale issue following um, the events of Fantastic Four 604, which pretty much wrapped up Jonathan Hickman's two-plus years epic storyline. And that was the pick of the week also. So we've yes. had two, two basic No, 603 was the pick of the week. 604 wasn't. Sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I went back and checked. FF number one was. Yeah. (laughs) You keep talking and I'll look up. Okay. But anyway, um, so yeah, the um, so this kind of wrapped it all up, and and it's kind of funny because after that big enormous cosmic level celestials, Galactus, Kree, Inhumans, uh, you know, negative zone, all this stuff, all this shit that got thrown at it. Like, how do you like? How do you do that epilogue issue, that wrap up issue? And I thought it was great because. It had a whole lot of kind of everybody kind of talking to each other after what just happened and then a whole lot of cleaning up 
<laughs> yeah, there was actually. <laughs> Like I thought, and that, that was the thing that made me laugh, which was like, and, and what makes Fantastic Four special and what's always made Fantastic Four special is that, you know, yes, it's this amazing, outrageous, ridiculous kind of, um, not ridiculous, but like, you know, mind bending dreamscape kind of, you know, big ideas and that sort of thing. But at its core of it, it's the heart of the family, the Fantastic Four that's at the middle of it. And what I think what what's Hickman's done really well about this and, you know, and, and maybe this is, you know, similar to Jeff Lemire on Animal Man um, uh, with his work with uh, with the Animal Man and his family uh, with Buddy Baker and his family. I think Hickman has really tapped into that family dynamic um, within Fantastic Four, not only amongst the four main characters, but by expanding it, including the children, adding Spider-Man, including all the future foundation. And you've got this you, – you took – what has been for what fifty years, uh, a a book full of heart of these four people that make up a family, and you and he, Hickman was able to increase that heart and spread it out amongst you know thirteen people, um, which I think is really an, an important aspect of this, and sometimes gets you know when people don't understand why Fantastic Four doesn't work, I think it's because when it lacks that kind of that heart. Um, but yeah, so this issue was, you know, takes place immediately after the events of it, and you also get um, narration by Valeria, who, if you ask me, if you look at Hickman's entire run, even with the Council of Reeds and all the stuff, that, and Johnny Storm dying, the star of this book for Hickman has been Valeria. Yeah, that's, that's been true. the character that he's zoned in on and said that this is the one, you know, the, the, the you know this is the character that that I'm going to use to drive through the, this story. So, is is he positioning her as a villain? I don't know. Not Spoiler. Possibly. Spoiler. Yeah. It kind. It kind of. It kind of seemed like that. I mean, she's kind of dark in this issue. She's. Yeah. She's narrating and she's the star, but she's also kind of very angry at everyone. Her future self is kind of bitchy. Yeah. And I, I just get. The, you get the feeling that that she's not quite on the same page as the rest of the team. Well, what's what's interesting is that it's because it's a childish reaction. Right. Because she didn't, you know, because she she manipulated, she maneuvered, she did all that stuff. She in her head, she made them win the day. But it's old. It's Franklin with a beard who's getting all the credit. And when they get home and after they finish cleaning up, she's still grounded. Yeah. Because she because she kept secrets and things like that. Um, so yeah, maybe in that last that, that that last kind of conversation where she says she promises not to keep secrets, like I don't believe that for a second. Oh. You know, this um, issue was fantastic. This was uh, great, wasn't I it? Like and I just talked about that like she was a real person. I, I didn't <laughs> for a second, like no, I just got out of a meeting. <laughs> um, the, I, all I want in life now is for a complete omnibus collection of his entire run, including both books, yep. in, in in order that they should be read. It, this is wonderful, yep. and and the, the things he's able to do in the last two and a half years, all of the threads or the balls in the air, whatever metaphor you want to use, that he's kept up until this very this last couple of issues has been has been incredible, yeah. and it's all come together, and it's dramatic, and it's it's funny. Uh, you've got Galactus and Franklin Richards as as eternal cosmic buddies, which is kind of I, I totally want that buddy that buddy movie with the two of them. <laughs> um, and then you ha- you know you end you end with the great cliffhanger of uh, Doctor Doom discovering the Infinity Gauntlet, which is you know yeah that that and yeah I didn't even mention that which is which is the last the the last what four pages of it is Doom you know because we you know we thought Doom was left for dead on the time birth you know with the with the bridge, um, but we see that he was able to. Survive survive and that Valeria kind of left him a hint that uh there's something for you and it's and it's two infinity gauntlets yeah <laughs> which, is, which is badass and what I love is the last line which is just here I can build <laughs> yeah. and then you turn the page in black and the parliament of doom like talk about a great title <laughs> like it's just oh it's what I find amazing is that even after finishing this big epic story he's setting up stuff that I, I still want to read I want to read more um, yeah. Which is how you do it, which is great. Um, and then art wise, Nick Dragota, I, 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 and I said in my review, he's the kind of guy where I feel like every couple of years we're like, oh man, Nick Dragota. Yeah, you know, and it just the 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 acting and the facial expressions on on some of the folks is mainly Valeria, the little scowls and the eyes and stuff like that. He does great expressive eye work, yeah. especially on on the women. Uh, they they get these really sort of dark, uh, very accusatory eyes that yeah. are that are wonderful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just it just was really really top notch and really like a good way to wrap things up. And we get a new Baxter building with a new, and I, I, what would have killed him to do a cutaway? 
would have kill, <laughs> killed them. Um, and then they also they, they, do more circles. They, they address the issue with uh, FF not knowing who everybody is. By now, everybody has a number, so we just need a list of everyone's number and who they are. And <laughs> so like now, you need a play, you need a scorecard. Yeah, so blonde guy number seven is that is. <laughs> so they have new uniforms. The FF has returned to the. They're still the, uh, they're still wearing white, but they got the four on the chests again, which they haven't had since they they you know, they became the Future Foundation. The kids all have no, different numbers, like they're at a baseball team. Um, it's fun. It's just everything about this is fantastic. Yeah, it was just great. I mean, it's just great, and it just, it just shows how this is going to go down as like like Hickman. Not not only did he stick the landing on it, but he he nailed it. Totally nailed it. I thought. Um, but that's just me. I don't know. Did uh, sell? <laughs> what? This book sell well? Yes. Yeah. No. My God. What happened was is that it it. It it's like one of Marvel's top books now. It like doubled what it was originally selling, and wow. then when they it moved to FF, when Fantastic Four came back, both books stayed at the same level. That's amazing. Yeah, so. I mean that's really amazing. Yeah, no, it's really really amazing. So, um, but uh, I got to tell you though, if I was picking pick of the week based on covers, I sure as hell wouldn't have picked FF sixteen. I would have gone with Daredevil number ten. You tell me if there's a better cover, jeez, that you've seen this year. And this was, a I, gr- and this not only is this a great cover, but this is a great issue. Well, well, let's talk about the fact that there was a they, they the mole man apparently is incredibly athletic because he went toe to toe with Daredevil in a ninja fight. Yeah, for like pages. What was great? Was, what was great was the first the first uh, page where they fight at the bottom of the um, at the bottom of the page when mole man comes at him and yells, "Don't taunt me!" and hits him with a stick. The way it was drawn, I felt like it wasn't just one hit. I felt like it was a bunch of little hits. Like, whack, 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 whack. <laughs> you know what this was like? This was like, and I know it wasn't really a, a standalone one and done, but this felt like one of those uh, that it was Paul Dini uh, detective issues. Because, like, as I'm watching Mole Man jump around, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like it, and it was it was ridiculous in a way that actually Marvel Comics haven't been in a long time. I was like, this is a straight up supervillain. Like he was using him in the old sense of supervillain, which you don't actually see all that often anymore. The sort of fun but misguided, you know, he, you know, that nobody took him seriously, blah blah blah. And they they owned all that. They didn't try to to modernize it and make it feel like it would fit in our world exactly. Right. Um, and you know, at the end, there's like a lesson, but it's ambiguous and and. Uh, all those, all those diamonds are going to get stolen off of those gravestones in New York City. Really Within soon. Yeah. hours. Hours. <laughs> hours. Like, in the time that it took you to flip to the next page, those fuckers were gone. Yeah. <laughs> How, um, I, I was super relieved that Black Cat didn't steal the, 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 the hard drive. Well, I like I, that they're setting up this relationship between the two of them. Whether or not it's, it's pursued at all or, or explored at all, at least it's there. That yeah. you know, they, it's it's fun. It's 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 a sort of old Spider Man esque. Yeah, very, that's the very. thing. That, that's the thing that it like I kind of don't like because I like that it was ambiguous that she did it. Yeah, but at the same time, like if she did, then that relationship's over. Right. Yeah. Or, no. So or that's, it, no, or the thing was the that same... after the last issue, I thought for sure she did it. Well, the thing is though, if she did. Then this is exactly the same relationship as Catwoman and Batman. Yeah, basically, it's the same thing. So they like you had to do it a little differently, I think. Yep. And she can't be the same character, but she, you know, well, because no, the, the, the thing the thing about Black Cat is that she's a thief and she looks up for herself, but at the end of the day, she won't cross that line. And she said it in here, you know, like she. And know, that's the difference between her and Catwoman. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Um, so I, I mean, it was like the kind of thing where I read, and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad she didn't do that. You know, I don't so know that, why, that, but that safe is really badly hidden. <laughs> well, I mean, it's really well, he, well hidden. To be fair, he's blind. Yeah, yeah, true. How how well does he know if it's hidden or not? Middle of the room. It's I mean, even to access it, you don't have to move anything. It's right there. Yeah, well. and, and it doesn't take much to knock a counter out. <laughs> also, if you if you look at it, it well, I won't get into nitpick, but if you look at the page after the graveyard at the bottom of the the bottom of the page when he first opens it. It's on a shelf, and it shows the shelf, so the thickness of the safe has got to be, like, maybe two inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't, physics don't seem to work there. Um, the, the only thing that gave me pause in this issue was they, you know, they're really sort of playing up the idea is Matt gone completely insane. Uh, they, they've dropped hints of it throughout the series, and now you know, it really yes. hammers it home in the, in the cliffhanger. Where but that guy was there. He wasn't insane. He was I know, totally but there. S- s- no, he, well, was he or wasn't he? We he don't was. Know. I saw him. I see well, him. The cat, but the cat knew about his thing, his yeah. his. his, his Fantastic Four compact disc. Yeah. So that's real-ish. Yeah. And she got hired. Unless, holy shit, unless that whole thing's in his mind, too. Unless though. it's a Moon Knight scenario. So no, I doubt it. You um, didn't actually sleep with Black Cat. It was a 
Very awkward uh, to mine. I really like the panel um, after the after the gravestones and Foggy going, "You did good, Matt." He goes, "I have my moments." I felt like that sums up this whole this whole book so far. Like I feel like that was like the Mark Wade. You did good, especially way, and Paulo Rivera too. Paulo Rivera, uh, oh, so good. By the way, Mole Man's necrophiliac. <laughs> just well, put that there. Yeah. Well, he just wanted to look at her. Well, he was pretty close. Yeah. He got he got he got dead cooties. He got dead herpes. Whatever that is. But yeah, but that's uh, so good, so so good. I don't know if you can be close with necrophilia. I think it's like a binary proposition where it's either you do it or don't. I'm just looking at this cover, and it is this is like this wait is, to be to be a necrophiliac. Does there have to be penetration? Yeah. Well, there wasn't even fondling, was there? No, well, he's there nuzzling. Was. I think it was. I think it was pretty. It was pretty innocent. He's cuddling. Yeah. Well, so you're people, telling you know, me that if you cuddle a dead body. Well, people do that no all the time in movies. You know, they hold the no body, harm, no scream up, scream up. Yeah, no. Oh, and they give that right, last kiss. And, yeah. That's right at that moment, though. This is, la- this is much later. Yeah. This is, I've sent some people to dig her up and bring her down, and now she's here. I've set her up in my, in my gallery, yeah. and we're going to have a special moment together. The thing is, I, she really ties the gallery together. Yeah. <laughs> it's that last piece, the piece so, de resistance. <laughs> how can you blame him? He really, he's been waiting a long time to find a piece that would tie it together. So he's her, her, hair's, her hair's been done. That was nice. <laughs> she looks pretty good for having been in the ground for what I consider must be a, a considerable amount of time. Well, this, this is disturbing. It's disturbing. I don't mean attractive. I just mean that she's held up together. Yeah. Let's move on to a much more, less disturbing prospect in The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, this book uh, at 95 issues, you know, it can have the, the problem of uh, repetition. Of staleness, uh, which does it doesn't come up that much, but sometimes when you think about it, and and I think that actually it's it can happen a little faster with the live action version because you're getting bigger chunks of it at a time. I think, um, and and we all know Rick really well by now, and uh, <laughs> I thought this issue was really fun because it finally sort of shows you Rick from somebody else's perspective. Um, they get they get uh, they, they find this guy and he's like, hey, we've got this great town and you should come by because you seem like good folks. And of course, they tie him up and treat him like a criminal and uh, you know basically like they did with all the people in the show. If you haven't watched it, uh, if you haven't read it, uh, and and the whole time he's like, no, no, we're fine. And 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 the guy uh, brings him to the town and and then uh, immediately there's a ruckus and Rick does something. If you read this, you know what I'm talking about. Rick does something and you're like, ah, oh, you did it again. And they all look at him because he killed somebody. And the last page of the thing is just him looking at the camera going, what? You keep <laughs> killing people, Rick. You can't do this all the time. And, you know, one of the things that, that Kirkman has pointed out is that, you know, the book's called The Walking Dead. It's not The Rick Show. Um, I think it would be really interesting if they, if they severely change things. You think like issue 100? Yeah. We're getting, I, we're getting close. Just, just change either either – I'm not saying kill off Rick, but change the dynamic because the dynamic's been the same for a really long time. Uh, you know, he's lost a hand and he's still in charge and he's going to keep going like this. Um, whether that's bad for sort of cross-promotional marketing between the different things, but I'd like to see consequences come out of the thing that's just happened here, like sort of long, long-reaching consequences. Um, but uh, but it was a fun issue and it, it was good. I, I like that we sort of saw a different side of it. And, and this book does a really good job at not necessarily treating uh, the, the main characters like they're heroes all the time. Now, the big summer event from Marvel kicks off next week with Avengers vs. X-Men number one. But we had Avengers vs. X-Men number zero this week, which is the prelude issue. And this, uh, paired with Avengers 24.1, is the little mini event I like to call Watching Robots Cry. Because <laughs> I feel like that's all I read this week was Vision crying. Well, uh, let, me, let me talk about Avengers 24.1 first. I just um, want to point out we're talking about an issue zero and an issue 24.1. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Um, and they both include a robot crying. Yeah, that's I, a good point. I, I loved this issue. This, really? This, this sort of harkened back to that Bendis that we used to get it, a couple years ago where he would just do one issue and focus on a character and explore it. It felt very much like that Civil War aftermath issue we did that was really good that was better than the whole event oh, yeah. uh the confession the, the confession yeah. it that was, was the, the best issue of the whole thing yeah this was the vision he's you know he came back recently in the pages of the avengers but we didn't really get much exploration of that at least you know, i didn't because i dropped the book immediately uh now he's <laughs> in this issue we basically take him from the time he's been reactivated to i guess the present day where he is finding out what happened to wanda wanda took control of him the she hulk ripped him apart he, wait so we're was, talking about avengers 24.1 
Yes. Okay, sorry. I was on Avengers vs. X-Men. Okay, sorry. I was like, what are you um, talking about? So this is the, basically it's, it's – no, I really like this issue. We'll get to the next one in a minute. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was it was a great way to get, reintroduce you to the character, reintroduce him to the world. He has to make peace with She-Hulk, who ripped him apart. He goes and he confronts Magneto, who you forget is his father-in-law or his ex-father-in-law, and then they have a confrontation. And uh, I just thought it was a great character piece. Yeah. And I love the vision. So for me, it, I, I enjoy this a hell of a lot. You love the vision? I never knew I that. I do. I'm, I'm a big classic Marvel uh, Avengers guy, you know, the, the Vision Scarlet Witch team. Yeah. yeah. So I, I've always loved the vision. This is a great sort of Bendis one-shot character piece. Avengers X-Men Zero was okay. I, I didn't dislike it. I didn't love it. I mean, it, was a, it was a Zero issue. It was a catch-you-up issue. It was a catch-you-up with Scarlet Witch, catch-you-up with Hope. And I don't really – I think my problem is I don't really – I haven't wrapped my head around Hope. I don't understand her. I don't know what she mean, what she does, who she is, what's, what her point is. So for well, me, that was – shall, oh. shall we do that now? Sure. Would that ahead. help? Yes. So um, unknown what her lineage is. We don't know who her parents were, but she um, bears a striking resemblance to Jean Grey. Um, They've been playing that card for like five years. I know. Her power is that she can – she's like rogue but without um, needing to touch the – needing to touch people um, or like killing them while doing it. So she basically – she can – if a mutant is nearby her, she can use their powers. Right. I mean I got that part. It's just – to me, all I know of her was, is this Jean as a child or not? And now she's an adult, and they haven't really resolved. No, anything. I'm pretty sure it's not Jean. I'm pretty sure it's not. Although I, they don't, they still never explained who her parents were. That she was part of that whole Alaska incident where she was the only baby left, and she happened to be a mutant. Although how do they know she was a mutant when she was a baby when mutants activate and then they're teenagers? But <laughs> who cares? Um, uh, yeah, and, and that's and that's the question really. And and the thing is, is that like what they're leading us to believe is so. So this kind of con- you know doesn't confirm. We've had it confirmed for a while, but this you know it ends with the Phoenix Force. You know, it's coming for Earth. It's coming for Earth. And um and the the assumption is that it's going to go into Hope and Hope will become the next Phoenix. Whether that's the direction they go remains to be seen because we haven't read it yet. Um, I would guess that that's almost too obvious for them to do. Um, so, and, and, and we're going to talk about this a little later in the show, but, um, uh, not to get a little speculative, but speculatively, but we got, you know, what, six months of Avengers vs. X-Men, so it's going to be interesting to see which direction the story takes. So, um, yeah, it was an, this was an alright start. It just didn't, you know, it didn't super, super excite me. Um, well, because I think it was very much a prelude. I yeah. think, you, I think that was reflected in the, in the lack of popularity on the website. It didn't, it yeah. wasn't even in the top, it was a top, it was a number three most pulled book, but, you know. Yeah. I think I think the the that's one a lot th- for an event that a lot of people don't seem to care about or say. No, I, I think that about. was very low. If that was a first issue, it would have been disaster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I think I think the big um, I think the big uh, takeaway from this is that somebody just needs to keep Frank Cho from drawing Cyclops. <laughs> you hate it. I was oh. I was actually looking at it during the issue, going, "Ron is hating this right oh, now." Oh, this is awful. I mean, I, I I get he's playing up the slim aspect, which you can still do without making him look emaciated. <laughs> oh, and I just turned to the page with the vision cries. Yeah. Well, I, I thought overall it was, What's it was he okay. sad about. He doesn't know. He knows what was in the closet. Or he doesn't. He, he wants to he, know. Uh, the Scarlet Witch tries. The Miss Marvel and Spider Woman try to bring Scarlet Witch back to the mansion. They open the door. Vision standing Which there. Which makes and, no sense based off of what happened in Avengers: Children's Crusade. By the way. Don't yeah. get, I mean, just don't, I mean, what? Yeah, I, I can't. I, I'll go crazy. I'll go crazy. Please do. But uh, so they, so they, they try to bring her back. They, Vision is standing there at the door with Beast and with Iron Man and with Wolverine. Apparently, they are all sitting at the door, just waiting, waiting. Um, and uh, how long were they there? <laughs> Jesus, where are they? I love the reaction. I ordered a pizza. Let me know if it comes. This no, is it. No, I thought, I thought Frank Cho killed th- this story. I thought the Scarlet yeah. Witch story looked great. Yeah. Um, and so they had a, they have a confrontation. Basically, Vision says she's now well, no longer welcome in the family because she 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 betrayed everyone, including him. And he, the, the biggest betrayal was taking over his body and using it against the Avengers. So he basically kicks her out. What, how about that panel where he's telling her this is not your home anymore, and it's, uh, Tony and Wolverine giving each other looks? Oh no, I love the reaction shots in the yeah. background. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was, you know, it was also it was sad because you know they're, they're Vision and Scarlet Witch. You don't like to see them. Yeah, no. Sad. Even Tony says, "I always liked them together." Yeah. So. I want to see more stories about these characters who can't when they can't handle social situations and they just don't say anything. Because <laughs> they're really competent, like up against the president or yeah. <laughs> a villain or the UN or whatever, and just like an awkward thing happens at a party and they're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know, let's just say it's a good dip, huh? I don't want that. <laughs> We have to get out of here. <laughs> All right, so moving on. So the, the the month of new Vertigo books continues with the new Deadwardians. Uh, and Paul talked to Dan Abnett about this on iFanboy Don't Miss earlier this week. Uh, I, I gave it a shot. I'm surprised. Well, I'm not surprised. It's, it's, it's not seem in your... No, it's not. Oh, no, I won't be staying with it. Um, <laughs> but that... that... 
<laughs> oh no! Oh no! I, I I barely even read it. But that, no, no, I read it. But I'm not no, not because not because it's you know it was bad. I thought it was actually quite good. Um, sure. It just it just it's not it it you know it's it's not it, not for me. So I could have told you I could have told you that from the title. Yeah. Just the title. Well, did you like it? I didn't read it because I didn't. I was gonna. I knew I wasn't gonna. Even no matter how, unless it was like blow my ass away, amazing, amazing, which I would have heard about. Yeah, it's not my thing. Not my thing. Wow. So you didn't even bother Vertigo. I boy. don't buy everything from Vertigo. I never have. Uh, that's not what I heard. This is a whole thing that you've made up. No, I think you used to say you used to give everything a shot. I think we yeah, go back somewhere and find that. it. Out. I would yeah. give. I would be more likely to give something a shot. But I wouldn't just try everything blindly. Now, now on the other side of it, they have done a lot of stuff that I have not liked in the past five years. Yeah, they a have. lot of stuff. They have. There's that voodoo thing coming out that I don't have nothing to do with. It came out already. Yeah. Whatever. Connor, did you read this? No. No, oh, so it's just me. All righty. Uh, here I thought we'd have a nice little discussion. No, I mean, it, no, it was. I mean, it was. It was good. I mean, it was. It, but it's. It's a a a clever take on zombies in the British, you know, kind of Edwardian. You lost me already. Yeah, Edwardian age. Zombie. Uh, yeah, it's got a um, murder mystery kind of aspects to it. Um, uh, and yeah, but but it wasn't it wasn't so clever or so unique that I was like, oh, I got to stick with it. So yeah, so it, the new Dead Audience was good, and I'm sure I'll find an audience. Just that audience is not me. That's all. Or I, any of us. I gave it a try. Although I missed the dollar Vertigo number one program. That was yeah. nicer too. Yeah. But. I would probably pick it up if I heard really good things about it. I'm not I mean, honestly, it. this might be a wait for trade type thing to kind of see how it goes, see see what it is, and then um, if, if you want to see it, I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, that's true. That that's true too. But I like Dan Dan Emmett. He's a good. He, I like. I, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, um, all right, and so the last, um, uh, the, the last book we want to talk about quickly here, well, not the last book, but another book we want to talk about quickly here uh, that was almost this pick of the week, very close, was Avenging Spider-Man number five. Um, this, to me, was, is an early candidate for best issue of the year. Well, I mean, it's a good issue, but it's total fan service. But that, not yeah, that that's I a mean, bad thing. That's not that's a bad thing. It's a really quality issue. Um, and and so it's honestly some of the best Lanil Yu I've seen in, in, yeah. in a while. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The uh, story of this issue is is uh, the, the Avengers are going on a mission, but uh, first Spider-Man has discovered some old Steve Rogers art that he's yeah, comic he books. Kid, some old Steve Rogers he, comic books. When a kid, he made comic books and gets some of his original pages, and Steve is very embarrassed about it. And then this this leads Spider-Man to realize that they have something in common because Steve was a was a little skinny art geek, and he's a little skinny science geek, and they have they had something in common which he never felt before with, with Captain America. So then he. Very embarrassingly, but very funnily, tries to tries to buddy up with Cap on the mission, yep. and keeps appearing next to him at his shoulder every time Cap wants to talk. And, and it just shows how good Zeb Wells is at writing Spider Man. Yeah. Like he oh, really, he's, yeah. He's, yeah. he's amazing. Yeah. And then uh, and then Steve really doesn't want to deal with it. Doesn't like talking about it. Doesn't want to be involved. And then at the end, he sort of realizes that it's a part of him, and he misses it. So he and Spider Man uh, start collaborating on a comic book, and it was just a great character piece between the two, yep. showing a different side of Captain America, exploring that other pre-super soldier side where he you know he's still uh, he you know the, the, you know the, the the thing about cap is he's always he was always capped in a skinny body but there was also that skinny little kid too who had a different side to him who was picked on in high school and they bond over that and it was it was just a really great sort of character piece issue yeah. one one shot I, I did have to laugh at the at the end when Steve shows uh, Spider Man the comic pages he's working on, and Spider Man's first reaction is, "Well, went a little crazy on the cross hatching." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he says, "Saw a lot of it online." That was the only thing that worked against it for me in my mind is that it was very fan service, is very insider, very that sort of you know. Um, but, it's a writer writing about writing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's exactly. Um, but that said, there were a lot of little touches in it that were great. The Neil U art was um, was was like I said, some of the best, uh, like better than Secret Evasion, I think. This was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah it was really gorgeous. The, and the, the two page spread with uh, Cap explaining why he stopped doing art, and they show the the war, and it, it was just oh, it was amazing. Yeah, and it was um, inked by Jerry Alangulen, who is a legend in his own right. So that could have been a part of it as well. So, um, but yeah, so good, great, good, very good issue. So. Yeah, if you like those characters, pick it up. It's a one shot. Yes, it is a one shot. Um, and if you like comic books and you want to pick up Avengers Spider-Man number five, you probably could pick it up at C2E2, um, upcoming comic book convention in Chicago, April 13th to the 15th, um, at the McCormick Place, uh, convention center in Chicago, um, is the pop culture event for the Chicago land and Midwest area. Um, so if you are anywhere near, if you're in driving distance, you should make the trip out because you could see such comic book luminaries as Jason Aaron, Rick Remender, Mark Silvestri, uh, Dan Slott. Uh, Tony Moore, Amanda Connor, 
Ben Templesmith, uh, many, many Keep others. going. Cliff Chang, uh, Dan Parent from Archie will be there. Um, Neil Adams. Keep going. Ivan Brandon, Jimmy Palmiotti. Come on down. Kevin McGuire. <laughs> the list just goes on and on and on. Nick Spencer. Mike Amanda Moore. Connor, I bet she's going to be there too. Yeah, probably. Yeah, no, she is. She's, yeah, she's, she's totally there. Um, so Ryan Stegman will be there. Scarlet Spiders, Ryan Stegman. So if you go to C2E2.com, you can see the full list of people that are attending. Um, and very few people have canceled so far. So that's always good to see. <laughs> um, in, in addition. How was that show? Not a lot of cancellations. <laughs> in, I, that's always fun. I mean, in terms of a little commentary in the comic book industry, like it's always funny to see the announcements leading up to the con. And then the as we get closer, the cancellations start. Like Chris Omni's sick, so he's not going to Emerald City this weekend. And that. That sort of thing. Um, but it's good to see not many people have canceled yet. But if you're now in- appearing at the Phoenix Comic Con. Oh, wait. If you're into more than just comics, if you're into the entertainment and, and the, that sort of thing, uh, you can see John Cusack or uh, or or Val Chicago Kil- legend Val oh, Kilmer, who and I got to tell you, <laughs> folks, I got to tell you, go to C2E2.com and click on who's attending and click on entertainment guests and look at Val Kilmer's headshot because it is legendary. Either he's cosplaying as George R. R. Martin, or I, or I don't know what's going on. Yes, a little. Does he have a little hat? Yes. Oh my God, <laughs> that hat's bigger. It was wider than his shoulders. Look at him. It's great. And what's great is that Val Kilmer's credit, like they say, who the people are, what they're from. So like Stephen right. Yoon from The Walking Dead, or Nicholas Brandon from uh, Brendan from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Val Kilmer. They don't say Batman. They say The Doors. <laughs> See, what would you put? I would put Batman. Real stuff. That's, that's uh, the first thing you'd real genius. Yeah. Well, no, but for this for this sort of con, would you put Top the, Gun, the, the Doors, Top Gun? Yeah. Anyway, the Doors, the Doors is fairly. Yeah. I, I mean, what would I put? I would put Tombstone. That's the best thing he's yeah, ever possibly. done, or anyone. Anything's better than the Doors, right? Yeah, that movie gets worse every time I think about it. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, legendary uh, Star Wars legend Anthony Daniels will be there from Star Wars, so you can finally see Anthony Daniels in the flesh, because I know a lot of you wanted to do Don't that. Don't forget James Hampton. Yeah. Um, what's great is they have John Cusack listed as a Chicago local. <laughs> Why is John Cusack there? Anyway, um, so go to C2E2.com. You can buy tickets in advance. They're $50 for the weekend. Um, they've got VIP packages. It's still time to get some tickets uh, in advance. Um, they've also got great mobile apps. You can check out on their website uh, so you can get the full con floor and the programming schedule and all that fun stuff. And they've also got a uh, shuttle schedule. So if you're in Chicago and you're trying to get to McCormick and you, and you don't know how to do that, uh, they've got shuttles that will take you there. So go to C2E2.com. And get your tickets today. Don't forget the vice president of World Events Productions as a featured guest as well. <laughs> what, like, what is going on? I know, yeah. And this picture is is Lance from Voltron. I know. For a second, I thought Lance was going to be there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I get excited. Well, Lance yeah. isn't real. Yeah. So and let's not, not forget. That. Let's not forget Teen Wolf James Hampton. Yes. That's not the hat that Val Kilmer, that George R. R. Martin wears. It's similar. No, he looks like the shadow in this picture. Oh, fair enough. Oh, Doc Com will be there from Thirty Rock. Why? <laughs> What is going on? <laughs> anyway, all right, moving on. Back to the comic books. Um, Uncanny X-Force 23 continued the awesome. Um, it, ra- well, it wrapped up Otherworld, which is awesome. I yeah. think uh, this was a, not a storyline that I would felt very attached oh, to. Oh, but, but for uh, me, they'd had the Siege Perilous. Yeah, no, this is all up your alley, which is fine. Merlin thing- and Roma came back. Oh, this is, this, is, this is X-Men gold. The thing is, like, not every storyline is going to be, you sure. know. For everybody. Yeah, you know, but you, what was great was that it was, 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 what's good about it is that it was four issues, so you know, so it can move on. And it had ramifications. Like a big thing happened between yeah. Betsy and Captain Britain where Betsy had to take over Captain Britain's head and, and use and make him kill their brother, Jamie, um, who you know, who I've known has been a crazy, you know, deranged sociopath lunatic and I was shocked to hear I wasn't I wasn't surprised to see that he was the ultimate villain in all this. Spoilers. Right. But um but uh, yeah, and also I just realized that Merlin and Saturn aren't, and the Siege Perilous were just a misdirection by um, uh, Phantom X. So, oh. but it still had the Siege Perilous anyway. But uh, <laughs> so I mean, I, I like the art. I, the, I didn't love the story, but that's just that's fine. It's you can move to the next one. The next one, Phil Noto's doing, which is exciting. Yeah, which should be great. So it takes place in the '60s, and it's all just yeah. photographs. But I didn't get to read Secret Avengers twenty-four because we're on the West Coast. <laughs> fuckers. Well, well, spoilers. Uh, no. Um, a lot of we should just explain quickly. There was a lot of diamond screw ups this week. A lot of books didn't get shipped to to various parts of the country. So if you're in the West Coast, if you're in the south, Southeast region, if you're in the Midwest, you might not have gotten a bunch of books, including this book. Yeah. I got all mine. 
So, uh, suck it. Uh, this issue was fun. Good discussion, uh, interaction between Captain Britain and the Human Torch. I like the Human Torch's uh, attitude quite a bit. But uh, my favorite thing in this whole, and I'm going to read you the line. Uh, basically, something bad happens to Beast, and he's out of commission, and he's in a cell with Clint, and 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 Clint and Clint just basically apologizes to him. He said, "And I'm sorry I screamed at you before, okay?" And Beast, sort of dying, goes, "Not your fault. Overcompensating for never being seen as A-list." And I was like, "There it is. You know, Hawkeye." <laughs> <laughs> that's it exactly the beast the beast is completely aware of what and it made me laugh a lot and it was my favorite panel of the week cool that's all i had to say about that um i thought i had to check to see if uh if uh, locusts were swarming and if hell had frozen over because i'm holding choker number six in my hand and good for you yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's good to see that finally uh ben mccool and ben Tumblesmith were able to finish uh the series that they started that they you know that that finished what you started um and it's uh if you're into ben Tumblesmith, it's it's what what you would expect from his art style um look look good, good as usual um didn't know what the hell was going on thank god they had it previously so i can catch up but it ended all right and it just i think it's more the fact that it ended so for me, this, this is the problem. I'm like, it's a two issues, two years between issues. And yeah. I just don't, I couldn't tell you one thing about, except it involved the cop. Yeah. And so that's a problem. Is that really two years? I thought it was one year. Started two years. So the series started two years ago. It was a six issue miniseries. Started yeah. in 2010. So it was Jesus. probably about a year. Because yeah. there was a lot of delays in between. It's just, it, yeah. six issues over the course of two years is rough. Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed. But at least it finished. So, so, and so it's no, it's no infinite, there's an infinite horizon ad on the back cover, which I thought was funny. <laughs> <laughs> and an ad for uh, Fell? Yeah, no. Here, here's, here's, your, here's your warning. Uh, we got four issues, well, three issues after this of Scalp Left. We'll probably mention all of them. Yeah. Not a lot necessarily, but deal with it. Um, I thought that the best character in comics was going to off himself in this issue. But more importantly, Connor, I was right. It was Diesel. You were right. You were right. Um, I no, was you were right. right. You were right. Okay. I'll pat yourself on the back and we'll, we'll, we'll continue. Um, I, I, for me, and even though I've, know, I've known it, this is the issue that really it sunk in where I think this is going to end badly for everyone. It's, it was a nice feint because basically the last issue, like, hey, everything everything will be cool. I just, uh, you know, again, character work-wise, sort of interactions, the, the conversation between uh, Dash and, and Officer Falls Down, mm-hmm. really, uh, you know, it's just like a really interesting conversation sort of loaded with all sorts of unsaid things. And um, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be really very ugly. Um, and I can't I can't wait for that. I will I say, it. if you're going to give it any criticism, I, I think it's really interesting how strongly uh, Red Crow reacted to the news that was supposed to put him over the edge against Dash. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't even seem like it has that much to do with any of Dash's decisions. Because he wasn't involved. Well, when you're talking about grandchildren and stuff, it tends to get emotional. Yeah. Yeah, but it was you got you got that hell's coming with them moment at the end of the of the, the yeah. very last thing, and this is just it's going to end badly for everyone. Yeah. Except for us. <laughs> All right. Now, now Ron, Ron, I was on board for profit. I was on board for glory, but Bloodstrike was a bridge too far. Yeah, well, Bloodstrike number twenty-six, the next uh, book in the Extreme relaunch, um, is probably the one closest to the original vision of Extreme. Um, the one close, you know, whereas Profit and Glory have been a bit of a departure. Um, but this is Tim Seeley writing and uh, with art by Francesco Castan doing pretty much just, you know, taking the concept and, and running with it. Um, Bloodstrike is Bloodstrike is what you're saying. Bloodstrike, yeah. Uh, so this issue focused on, on Cabot Stone and we kind of caught up with him. It, it did. I thought it did a good job of explaining what Bloodstrike was and where it came from and all that sort of stuff. And, it sets, and it's setting up him getting a new team. Um, but yeah, it's very – so if anybody's complaining that Profit – and glory weren't enough like Liefeld's books. Here you go, Bloodstrike. They they, you, they they got you covered. So <laughs> if you read Bloodstrike twenty five and you're like, God, where where is that next issue? Like it's here. Yep. So um uh and and I love Bloodstrike because of the rub the blood. I wrote about it in the light week, but yeah, just the 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 I, Bloodstrike was one of my I, favorite Liefeld ones. I so. didn't know that that was a real thing. Oh, I it was a totally was, real thing. It was great. I the, thought that was a, that was a joke you made up. No, no, no. The first issue of Bloodstrike number one had it was a gimmick cover, and they had heat sensitive red ink um, over a photo of the team of Bloodstrike, and the red ink looked like blood. 
And if you touch the ink, the the red would come up, would would get redder. And in the upper left hand corner on the image logo was the words "Rub the blood." <laughs> this is great. <laughs> it's really it's possibly one of the greatest marketing terms ever in comics. So yeah, rub the blood. Yeah, rub the blood. So anyway, so those are all the books that we uh, read, uh, that we read, enjoyed, and uh, that sort of thing when we do our weekly comic thing. Um, and you read and enjoyed your comic books as well. Uh, go to ifanboycom slash comics and get the whole pull. You can get the pull list, and you can add books to your pull list, and come back and rate and review and make your pick of the weeks. And counting down the top five pick of the weeks, coming in at number five is Atomic Robo presents Real Science Adventures number one with four point two percent of the pick of the weeks. Light. My light week. Yeah. Recommendation. It was fun. That's, yeah, it's great. A good indie book. Great indie book. Yep. Uh, coming in at number four is Daredevil number ten with six point one percent of the pick of the weeks. Uh, so some love for Daredevil. Not surprising. Coming in at number three is the the uh, the iFanboy pick of the week. FF number sixteen at, with ten percent of the pick of the weeks dispersion. And number two uh, was The Flash, number seven, with 18.1% of the pick of the weeks. And the number one book uh, agrees with Connor, uh, Avenging Spider-Man, number five. The community, 38% of the community gave it their pick of the week. It's a plurality. Yes. I like it when they're spread out like that. Yeah. So why was The Flash so loved? That's what was, that was my question. Well, Dix, D-I-X, wrote in uh, and gave the story of four out of five and the art of five out of five uh, and the pick of the week percentage is uh, 18.1% like we said, and he said, okay, I'll admit it. The Flash number seven was a pleasant surprise. The plot is mo- is moving at a good pace. The implications of Barry's time-shattering powers are becoming clear, and maybe there will be good storytelling. The immediate plot with Captain Cold is given the amount of time it deserves, which is to say, frankly, not a lot. And Patty Spivet, Barry's current flame, gets to be center stage for a little while. I do still have issues with the way that this title handles characters. Most of the supporting cast seems to exist around the Flash, not with him, since they don't cross paths much in or out of the costumes. Heck, it's hard to even accept that these people are Barry, These are people Barry knows, since they never seem to be around him, or rather, he never seems to be around them. But they talk about him an awful lot for some reason. The art is, as usual, incredible. There's really some superb layouts in this issue. Just, heck, it's exciting to just look at the Flash. It just is. I would agree. I mean, just with the art part, it's exciting. It's still well. The, the, the thing about the Flash is the Flash has been a little short for me. It's just it's just come up. I've I really enjoyed. It. I love Manipal's art. I love it's great. Um, but it's all it, like it's a very good book. I think I would give this issue a four. You know, um, but it just it's it hasn't been great. And I don't know if I have too high expectations or what. But yeah. you've 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 certainly built it up for yourself a yeah, bit. That's for sure. I think I think showing the consequences of his powers is a good thing. I think in, 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 introducing Grodd is a good thing. I think this is a step in the right direction. I agree. I do agree. It's one of the better issues. Yep. Yep. Especially yeah. after the mob rule, thing, the 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 clone dude, and all that sort of stuff. That got a little that went on a little long. Yeah, that it one. did. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Akamu reviewed Ghost Rider number nine. Give a story of four out of five, and the art of four out of five, and zero point three percent of them of you of them made their pick of the week. Of <laughs> them. <laughs> Akamu said, Ghost Riders, I was making fun of myself there. Ghost Riders, a title that I never really delved into. I'd pick up on an issue here, here or there, not be engaged by the story, put it down, move to some, another title. Even when Ghost Rider appeared in other comics I was reading, I find myself zoning out at the mention of the Spirit of Vengeance. So I found myself a little surprised that I was not only finished this issue, but enjoyed it. Williams' take on Alejandra, Johnny Blaze, and Mephisto, as well as a cameo from Doctor Strange, did the improbable and made me care about Johnny Blaze. Doctor Store, Doctor Strange, and Mephisto. I'm going to check out some back issues of this run, as this, as as well as take a gander at the Venom Circle of Four storyline. The art was good and consistent, consistent enough that I didn't notice when the art changed twice. Twice, I like that. <laughs> it was a comma. Yeah. <laughs> the art changed twice. <laughs> so ends another chapter of Ghost Rider. Is that the final issue? Yeah. Yep. So. Axe fell on. <laughs> Couple books I, wonder if, I wonder if Ghost Rider has more final issues than any other title. It might. Ghost Rider, Hawkman, yeah. Aquaman, so Wonder those, Woman. Those are the books Wonder that Woman, came, Wonder Woman. Those are the books that you guys enjoyed in the iFanboy community. Go to iFanboy.com slash comics, get the full list, and write a review, and you can get one on the show um, if we so deem it. So. Right, slipping in under the wire is the March book of the month, which is <laughs> Wallywood's EC Stories, the artist edition. Uh, from IDW Publishing, and uh, I assume I'm the only one who actually got their hands on this. I had okay. So what happened was is that I ha- had one in my hands, mm-hmm. and uh, what happened was my store was short copies, and my my uh, uh James said, if you want it, it's yours, but if you don't, I got other customers, and I said, you know, 
you can sell it somebody else, and I turned it down. So you at least you saw it. And I, yeah, I, 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 luckily it wasn't raining that day, so you didn't find yourself in need of shelter. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> you can, no, I, you did, can I was able to. I was size. able to read through the entire thing and look at it. And the thing, my thing with the artist edition is that I need to have some emotional connection to it. And while I love Wallywood, and I think Wallywood is great, and from the the standpoint of the comics history and stuff like that, I think he's important. This is the kind of thing where, like, when I do my need versus want kind of thing, it's not something I need. Sure. So. We should we should mention these artist editions are books that IDW has been putting out. There's been four so far, and they are basically art books. They are reprinting the original art, art pages in color reprint in re, uh, color reprints, which is important uh, of the original pages. So you've got a Rocketeer book and a Simon and Thor book and a Romita Spider Man book and now a Hollywood EC book. And you know, there's, I think there's probably a fair amount of readers or listeners or viewers who don't necessarily know who Hollywood is or why it's important or understand the importance of EC comics or, or, or the, you know, it's, he's a very, he's a, he's a legendary figure, um, in the comics industry and EC books were legendary. And, uh, this is a loving tribute to, uh, that era. And the thing is, I'm on, I might not have the emotional connection that to Hollywood stuff as I do to the other three books, but to pour over these pages and see the storytelling and the detail in the art and the work use of shadows because Hollywood is famous for his shadow work um, and just see the notes on the side of the pages and the, you really are transported back. And I really focus on the experiential side of it in my review in that it really envelops you into this uh, – it's almost like time travel in that you, you get really, you're just really sort of stuck back into that time and you, you feel like you're holding the original pages and you're, you feel like you're you know part of that history. And uh, – it's you know for an art fan, I think the these these books that IDW's been putting out are just are wonderful. Yeah, and, and I mean you will will never own a page of Wally Wood art. No, never. Yeah, and so like this is the closest you can get, and it's in the you know the and it's full size, and that's what's really interesting about that is that it's it, and what Josh joked about and what you mentioned is that it's enormous because back it's almost two two feet. Yeah, because back in the day, those are the size of boards that the artist drew on. They drew on these really huge oversized boards, and then they would get shrunk down in the in the process and stuff like that. Um, the previous ones that came out, the John Romita and the Rocketeer and stuff like that, are closer to the size boards that exist now. Um, do you know why art boards are the size they are now? It's FedEx. Yep, because the FedEx boxes uh, dictated how big the art board should be. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, yes, I think that's is. crazy. But um, but it's interesting in that you remember uh, Josh. Josh probably knows this when you when you had you start with the iPhone, then you got an, you had a, held an iPad. Suddenly the iPhone just felt tiny, and there was yep. no getting there was no going back. Well, when these when these IDW books started coming out, they were like, "These things are huge! How do how do you even deal?" And then this one, <laughs> I got this one, and suddenly the, the other ones don't seem so big. Like they just seem manageable. But uh, it's a gigantic book, and uh, it really is. And it's a high end book. It's expensive. It really is for these sort of real hardcore art aficionado, comic well, aficionado. And, and this this is important. Uh, is that I think a lot of people don't know who Wallywood is. Yeah, yeah. and they've maybe have heard the name or whatever. But um, if you look at just just look at the cover. Uh, if you were a fan of of Fear Agent at yes. all, or, or you oh, wanted yeah. to look, you like Tony Moore's art. I mean, this is a direct uh, antecedent of that. He he de- defined a style that that sort of space, uh, you know, sci-fi, really detailed. In fact, if you look at the work, it doesn't uh, it doesn't age like a lot of work from that era does. The other side of it is that Wallywood's also really well known. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a little history lesson because I think it's important if you if you haven't been thinking about looking at it. Is that Wallywood is famous uh, partially for uh, his 22 panels that always work. These yep. are gospel in the comic book art world. Uh, you can look just look it up at Google 20 Wallywood's 22 panels that always work, and it's 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 how to make a comic book in one single document basically. It's how it's how to do storytelling. This guy is completely seminal. He he's, was also he's, he, he's uh, he, he Larry Hama was his assistant mm-hmm. and uh, his art assistant, and then he he brought that that twenty two panel thing to Marvel, and they got passed around and the, the bull, bullpen. Then it went outside of Marvel, and it's, yeah. it's basically you, you know everyone is in comics. Everyone. So yeah. And it's one of those things like well, we I spend a lot of time talking about how important Jack Kirby is. Well, you know the next rung down is Eisner, Wally Wood, you know, and, yeah. and a whole bunch of other names. Uh, the the other thing about Wally Wood though is that he was he was kind of an unhappy, disturbed dude. Yeah, he died yeah. really young. Uh, he had a stroke uh, when he was in his early fifties. He died a few years after that. Um, it's kind of a sad story. And but what he's left behind. Is is this amazing art legacy in a, a very a very tiny industry? There's there's just not a lot of people around to appreciate him anymore. But his influence can't be 
can't be denied at all. And this book, uh, which I don't have because I just like I can talk about all this. I just I was like I can't afford it or I can't justify it or because it's it's a heck of a purchase. Um, but this book is a loving tribute to him, and it's the one right now that I'm like, oh, I really want to have that. But I'm worried that it would be sitting in that box wrapped up with my Walt Simonson one that I haven't really looked well, at. Well, if you've got four hundred dollars, you can get one on eBay or Amazon. No, they, for, they reprinted. Back, oh, they back. are reprinting them. Yeah, but you can get a first printing for four hundred dollars. That, that's so not important yeah. because uh, they apparently they were really surprised by the demand for this particular one, and uh, they 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 struck a deal. Originally, these all these books were supposed to be one time only. You know, uh, tributes. You know, they had made deals with the estates, people who are dead, and they went back to. They got an agreement to go back to print on this one. It's, and it's not just. There's not just sci-fi. There's war stories in here. There's. there's oh, it's a great. Yeah, it's a great it smattering of his work. Covers the whole gamut, and it just really blows you away the amount of detail that went to these these pages, and it sort of puts the, you know, the modern day comic book artist on notice. Yeah. Uh, and that the amount of stuff they were able to come up with, and uh, it's just gorgeous. It's yeah. if, you, if you get a chance to look at it, just just do. Yeah, totally, totally worth it. And, and if you go, if you're at a con, swing by IDW's booth or try to find one just just to see it, just to see the the immense size of it. And uh, it's so great. Fishbowl space helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, so go to ifanboy.com. You can read Connor's full book of the month review um, on it, and it's and it's funny. We mentioned that because it's like the artist edition. Like for the book of the month, we try to recommend books that you guys in the audience yeah. can go go buy, and we were really hesitant on this because the artist editions because they sell out instantly, and there's only one printing. But now that they're doing the, the reprinting of this, and you actually can go get it if you can afford it, um, it's it's re- something worth I think noting. It's really important. So. I think I think John Romita's still in print. Uh, didn't, didn't sell out yet, and then they're you know the next up is they're doing a, they're doing Daredevil and the message. Mazzucchelli, and then they're doing uh, Gru uh, uh, Aragonis, and yeah. they're doing. I think they're still doing the Will Eisner Spirit one. Oh, that's oh yeah, out. no, I think they're yeah, they still are. And I I already I already pre-ordered the um the Mazzucchelli Daredevil, the Miller Daredevil, and that one's gonna be yeah. beautiful. So, yeah, yeah, cool. Awesome. So yeah, go to fanbo.com, read the full uh, read the full review. So uh, one quick email, well, not a quick email, but one email before we wrap up. Um, we're gonna skip voicemails as well because we talk, went long talking about the book of the month. But this email comes in from John, which he admits is a long winded question. Uh, but bear with him because uh, he thinks it's important about anybody concerned with the state of Marvel Comics editorial direction, which we all are. Uh, it's, a very, it's a very important way to open. Yes, we're John says. Talk about the state of the Marvel editorial. John says, basically, I've been wondering if there's any potential for Avengers vs. X-Men to actually be good. Indeed, most of us have come to have low expectations for events, especially ones with as generic and shallow a premise as Avengers vs. X-Men. But consequently, I actually think that some of us may soon find ourselves pleasantly surprised um, um, by a much-hyped, quote-unquote, universe-smashing event could actually could be fun. Could Avengers vs. X-Men be this event? Doubt it. <laughs> At best, Avengers vs. X-Men will yield some fantastic art and satisfying issues with, by rotating writers. And as a whole, it could even be some great escapist fun. And honestly, despite how others feel, I'm totally cool with that. A bit excited, even. But still, more than anything, I'm worried about how this event could affect the Marvel books I'm currently enjoying. Which finally brings me to my question. Could Avengers vs. X-Men possibly prove to be the event that is simultaneously fun while also delivering a worthwhile shakeup to the Marvel Universe? Or is it troubling, meddling influence already a foregone conclusion? For instance, the X line of books is currently fantastic, uh, in fantastic standing. So outside of delivering resolution to the arc of Hope Summers, most X fans probably don't want AVX to alter the current status of the X titles. Meanwhile, the Avengers are in need of a shakeup after Bendis' overlong over reign of that uh, part of the Marvel U. So there really is a great potential for this event to lead into a new and interesting direction for the Avengers. But is there any freaking chance that Marvel can handle all this effectively? Am I the only one who feels that this quote-unquote event feels like a particularly dangerous, dangerous play by Marvel? Fascinating, John. <laughs> there are a lot of questions. A lot of First questions. of all, there's there's no such thing as a shakeup. Yeah, that's a that's a marketing term. It doesn't happen. They say it is. It's going to be the same afterwards. You know, in the same. Uh, I think I think at this point, you know, as long as we've been doing this, these events are a Michael Bay movie that are supposed to be about uh, fun. If you like this kind of thing, then you will enjoy it. If it's not for you, that would be a person like me. Then you're not. So don't expect more out of it than you're going to. If you go in expecting this, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be the thing. This is going to be like Watchmen now. Then you'll probably be disappointed every time. But if you don't learn from getting burned over and over, that's not your thing. Yeah, you know who, I, who's to blame. I, I mean, it's it's curious to see what's going to happen because I feel as if there's they, that that Marvel is putting a lot of their eggs in the AVX basket. They are. They definitely are. Yeah, they definitely are, which we know that, uh, which they have to. 
um, because that's what they're doing. That's their, that's their approach. Um, but, you know, with Bendis leaving Avengers towards the end of the year, with Hickman leaving Fantastic Four towards the end of this year, that we already know that stuff. Um, you know, we've reported on it. I've written some speculation around it. Um, you got to wonder if they're going to use this to launch something bigger than this. Um, you know, there have been rumors in the industry of, of is Marvel going to respond to DC in the new 52 and all that sort of stuff. You know, I don't I don't think they're going to reset continuity the way DC did. I, I think I think people would I think there'd be ritualistic mass suicide if that happened. <laughs> but, um, uh, but DC did it and survived. So who knows? Like we don't we we don't know. Um, so it's good. It's I th- it, it, no matter what, what no matter what you make of Avengers vs X Men, I'm curious as we get closer to it's going to be July I think when we start to get an idea of what because that's when the solicits come out, and we're going to get an idea of what post Avengers vs X Men is going to be like. And honestly, you know, I think it can go in either that's, direction. The solicits are the way that you want to find out though. Yep. Yeah, I think that's, exactly. the best, that's the story. best way to yeah, go. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> great. Yeah. Let me ask you, experience the story in the pages right. when you can just look at the solicits three months ahead of time yeah. and find out how it all ends. Yeah. And I haven't actually talked to either of you guys about this. Now, I mean, I, Ron, I, you're going to buy it. I know. Yeah. Uh, Connor, how are, where are you on this? Well, I'm, I'm excited for it. It looks like it's, I mean, really? you, you can't not get excited for it if you are going to enjoy these books. You have to buy into it. If you're not going to... If you're going to, you know, I did the same thing with Fear, Fear Itself. I was excited for Fear Itself. I want it to be good. If I don't want it to be good, then why am I reading these things every week? Yep, yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people who have the same I mean, the same opinion as you in terms of being excited. Like, people are excited for it. And the thing yeah. is, it may not be good, and I'll just stop reading like I did Fear Itself. If I don't like it, I'll just stop. But I have to go into but, it excited because but, the whole, all these superhero universes are anchored on these events. So if they're not any good, if I feel like a, I don't want a part, any part of them, I probably shouldn't be reading the books. Yeah. All right. You I'm know, not going and, to read any of the books. The thing is, the the talent level is top notch. You've got Hickman and Aaron and Bendis and yeah. and you know and Romita Fr- and Coipel and and yeah. if they if they can't put it together, then maybe it can't be done. But yeah. if I have to, you know, I'm as as huge of Jason Aaron fan as you if you get. And Hickman's Fantastic Four run's been amazing. And if these guys can't do it, and and if I'm not a you know creator guy, then you know then there's no faith in the, in those guys. I have the faith that they're going to be good. Now it may not come together, but that's the risk you take with anything. Yeah. Hmm. Nice. So yeah. So uh, so good questions there, John. And we'll, uh, time will tell. We'll see. But um, I mean, I'm with Connor. I hope it's good, and I hope that they do something with it. And because I honestly, I think Marvel needs to do something. They're in a, they're in that position again. I've been saying it for a while. Something's got to shake up, yeah. shake it up. Because these guys have been on these books forever. Exactly. Okay, so uh, if you have a question, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or call our voicemail line at 188-FANBOYS. It's 188-326-2697. Always good to hear from you all. Um, if you need more comic book goodness, uh, go listen to iFanboy Don't Miss, which is a podcast that comes out just about usually every Monday um, where we talk, to a, we talk to a creator about a book that's coming out. Uh, we're skipping this week because of the Emerald City Comic Con. It's all kind of crazy and that sort of thing. So no, don't miss this week, but we'll be back next week with another book um, uh, that you absolutely need to pick up when you go to the store. And you can subscribe to that on iTunes or on iFanboy.com. I think there's going to be a Make Comics podcast this week. Okay. I think. If there isn't, there will be definitely one after that. But if, you, if you're not aware of it, I'm pretty sure. Don't, do you don't forget I even said anything, everyone. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> that's marketing. Uh, the Make Comics podcast is a little show that I do with Andy Schmidt from Comics Experience, former editor from Marvel and IDW, and we talk about issues pertaining to making comics uh, across the board, whether you're an artist writer or or just interested in how that, that how that all gets put together and that the thinking about it um if you have questions for the show uh you can send them to info at comicsexperience.com and put uh make comics podcast in the subject line and that uh that will know that 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 is for that because we're going to start taking a couple of questions because we're already out of ideas that's not true that's <laughs> not true that's every wednesday morning uh we, we try to get one of those out a little short show fun stuff you can find that on iTunes or on iFanboy.com where you can also find Ron's Pick of the Week review. You can, you, you can find my Book of the Month review, but by the time you hear this, you'll probably find Ron's new Book of the Month review. Uh, but you can find either one. It's yeah, fine. You can, find, you can go to the current Book of the Month and look in the archive. It's all there. Yeah. Don't worry. You can, listen, you can see all the discussion. There'll be, there'll be a discussion every day in the comic industry, what's happening when you know, next Wednesday AVX number one comes out. So there'll be lots to talk about that. Go to fanboy.com for all your comic needs. You can go to fanboy.com slash about, find our social network links, be our friends online, and find all the staff listings. Everything you need to know is happening at fanboy.com. And as I mentioned, you can get in touch with us by uh, calling our voicemail line at 188-FANBOYS, 188-326-2697, or shoot us an email at contact.fanboy.com, um, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and all that fun stuff. 
Uh, you are our marketing army, and you clearly would do it better than me. If you like us, you can go to iTunes and write a review for this show or, or any of the shows that we do. We really appreciate that. Uh, the more that are there, the the easier it is to stand up against the, well, honestly, the invading hordes and onslaughts of podcasts that there are out there. You know, <laughs> we were we've been in this game a while. We've seen a lot of people come and go, uh, and we gotta we gotta keep them we gotta keep them off the sides of the ship. You know what I'm saying? So uh, definitely keep those reviews going. And and more important than that is is your word of mouth and your links and your sharing on social networks and your uh, just talking about stuff that you liked on the site, uh, no matter what uh, of it that it is. Uh, we really appreciate that, and uh, it's I- integral to keeping things going. So thank you for that. Cool. Awesome. So uh, good to be back. Uh, I'm heading off to Seattle now. We go ahead. Oh, we know. We, we should mention that next week is the writers' show. Oh yes, yes. So we won't be around for Avengers X Men number one. Uh, so uh, you don't can... tell them that. We got. We should sell it like one of those issues that has a fill in. <laughs> it doesn't say on the cover. Uh, so we'll be back with the the, the annual writer shows next week, which we always which we always enjoy. So look I'm forward kidding. To They're week. funny. Yes. All right. So until. Sometime in the future, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm Josh. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>